In the year 1831, biologist Charles Darwin began a fateful journey on the HMS Beagle. On that journey, Darwin formulated the controversial theory of evolution which has impacted society down to this day. Our goal is to punch holes in that theory, so we'd like to welcome you to Sink the Beagle. Fire one, Captain! Good shooting, John. That was right down the middle. Thanks, Stan. I love putting a bullet in the belly of the Beagle every time. A torpedo of truth to sink Darwin and his HMS Beagle. I am John Kurlinski. I am Stan Hudson. We want to welcome you to this episode of Sink, sink the, the Beagle, Beagle, where we take a very lighthearted and headed look at the serious and weighty issues of creationism, evolutionism, where we came from, and maybe where we're going. And what we do in between. And today, we also we look at it from various aspects of whether it be science, history, uh, philosophy, t- kind of, uh, biology, geology, paleontology, comic books. Comic books. No, uh, yes. Um, different teenage, things. Teenage perspectives. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't take long there, but. <laughs> We've got lots of material there. Today, we're going to go to the beginning, to the left side of the Bible. The left side of the Bible, mm-hmm. which isn't the liberal side, it's the beginning <laughs> side. Actually, in the Hebrew Bible, it'd be the right side. The right you know. side, okay. We're going to go to the right side of the Bible, Stan, right, not the, the left side. side. We're going to the Hebrew Bible, not the English Bible. Exactly right, and I hope you're listening today because we're going to learn you some Hebrew. We're going to learn them some Hebrew today. Yes. All right, let's have at it. All right, no. we're going to start with a Dr. Ting Wang. Ting Wang, well, the Big Bang, no. <laughs> Something like that. Oh, that's not <laughs> that's a nice. a bad song. Pardon me, Dr. Wang, for that. Uh, slip of the tongue of my partner over there. But uh, we, we do want to pay respect to a study he has done. He is a Hebrew linguist studied in Israel, got his PhD there, and uh, he is interested in God's word. He, he said he enjoyed the Bible so much that, you know, and all the value that Scripture promises in its study, that he wanted to read it unmixed, untranslated. Unencumbered by the translations <laughs> and the watering down of what mm-hmm. the author meant. He wanted the pure stuff. He wanted the maple syrup from the tree sap. No, <laughs> yeah. none of this corn syrupy with maple flavor, <laughs> artificial flavor involved. And so as he studied, and he is a great believer in the literalness of Scripture and history and so forth, that he wanted to study Genesis. And when he studied Genesis, he wanted in particular to see if he could find out, was the Hebrew language itself saying in very clear terms that the creation account was literal. You know, they tried to say that the creation account was allegorical or mm-hmm. just a polemic Mythical. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he really, I think he nailed it. He said, you know, it's really beyond categorization. Mm-hmm. You can't just put it in a small category. Was the Hebrew uh, Genesis account of creation poetry? You bet. It There's was written a, in poet, it was poetry poetic, form. Poetic Prose structure. Form. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it a polemic? Yes, it was. It was mm-hmm. both of those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was... What's a polemic? A polemic polemic? is an argument for or against something. In Mm -hmm. other words, if I have a polemic, I'm arguing polemically, or in this sense, we'd say apologetically for God, Mm -hmm. or a polemic in this sense would be something against. Is it against the gods of the culture the around them, the world, ancient gods, the, the Babylonians, and, and, and so forth, the Egyptian gods? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But in being a polemic and in being a poetry, mm-hmm. it is also real history. It doesn't have to lose its factualness to make those points. Yeah, and I, I like to use the old uh, 
the song The Star Spangled Banner. Mm -hmm. We say, oh, say, can you see by the oh. dawn's early light? Mm -hmm. The question is, when was that written? Mm -hmm. And and where was it written? And what was the occasion? Well, it was uh, it was the war against the Brit, uh, British. War of 1812. Oh, and it was Fort mm -hmm. McHenry and, mm -hmm. and the battle. And Francis Scott Key was describing a literal battle in poetic terms with historical right. meaning. With, and, with and, lovely and, flowery language, but it didn't uh, take and, away from the literalness of and what he said. And a against those rotten British. <laughs> we got you. Yeah, We're I don't care. There. We're still there. Come on. Give me your <laughs> best shot. Is that all you got? <laughs> Is that all you got? <laughs> We win. We know. win. And Scoreboard. So, so in many ways, the uh -huh. Hebrew can, you know. That's very the, good. The richest of literature can function on many levels mm -hmm. and still be genuine and still be factual and mm -hmm. still be historical. Mm -hmm. And that's what I believe um, the, the Genesis account of creation really is. Well, you know, one of the areas in which uh, particularly there's been a lot of argument, of course, is when the description of the six days of creation took place, there's been a lot of emphasis on the word yom. Y-O-M in English, yeah, not yawn, not oh. yawn, oh, I'm sorry. but yom, as yom. in Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Yom is Hebrew for day, mm -hmm. and uh, it's in six days God created the heavens and the earth. There was day one, day two, and so forth, evening and morning, and he wanted to look at the subject of, does the Hebrew itself allow for the word yom uh, to mean something other than a 24-hour day, at least in this context? And, 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 and to his credit, uh, Dr. Wang discovered that no, with, with the... With the modifier of the by a number, yeah, it's day consistent one, day in, two, it's yom. consistent in the Hebrew that that reflects a evening and morning, a, a basically what we'd call a twenty-four hour period. They didn't mm -hmm. begin at midnight; they mm -hmm. began the evening when the sun set. Sunset to and sunset. This is all things that uh, were stated before the scholars mm -hmm. like Gerhard Hazel in mm -hmm. last century wrote mm -hmm. these many, you know, in the last in, in about, 20th what, century, twentieth century, nineteen eighties, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. stuff. Did some seminal works on the word yom, and others. Who, who have shown clearly that the author of Hebrews, the writer we believe was Moses, meant a 24-hour period. That's right. Uh, in fact, it, it would be difficult to imagine how to write it more clearly that it was literal without adding something like, now, I hope you lunkheads got this. We're talking about a real day as yeah. sort of a, you know, parenthetical statement at the end. I yeah. don't think Moses thought that'd be very poetic. Yeah. And, and um, others want to say, well, the Bible doesn't have any other words for longer periods mm -hmm. of time. Like an era or an age. So they had to use yom. No. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, <laughs> that takes, takes care, care of that. that. Okay, okay, next, next point. <laughs> yeah, there we go. No, no. What are, what are some of those other words that they use and where do you find them? Well, good old uh, Ecclesiastes one, uh, 3, 1 through 11 where, in fact, you remember, you know, <laughs> David our, Crosby our, and the birds and so forth singing, you know, every season. season mm -hmm. turn, turn. Yeah, better not do that. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, hello, hello, he's still there. <laughs> um, uh, we won't you know, sing, we promise. Come back. <laughs> God makes all things beautiful in his time. In Hebrew, two words for time appear. And the passage begins, there is a season for everything. And that word is zeman. Zemain. Zemain. Yes, zemain. Like you, you is the main. Zemain man. Zemain man. Zemain man. And that is for season. There is a season for everything. Zemain. And a time, which is et 
uh, et roughly an et for every activity under heaven an, an et to be born an et to die you know a time to plant and a time to to it's, uh, uproot it's and not so saying on. a day to be born though it may be a day but it can be mm-hmm. it's more of a the, the times mm-hmm. in and, mind and these words are sometimes used for longer periods of time than just simply a day and they could have been used, used in genesis well. if something other than a 24 hour period uh, was needed a second reason um, that uh, God would create, and also what the creation points to, is the idea that when he looks at it, he calls it, and the, each day he ends the word tov. Mm-hmm. And it was yes. good. And Mazel God saw tov. it was yeah. good. It mm-hmm. was good. And then he gets to the sixth day, and in the creation of man, and he looks over the creation of the being that's to reflect mm-hmm. his image. He doesn't call it just tov. He calls it tov mo'od. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah, very good. As a matter of fact, as we're... Approaching Valentine's Day as we're uh, recording mm. this, the only thing God ever made that he said wasn't good was man. When he said made man is not good to be alone. Then he created woman, and then it was very, very good. good. <laughs> that was very good, yes. It wasn't good enough, <laughs> not quite ready for prime time. <laughs> so they made woman, then man was ready. There so we go. it was all good. And, and the point of this is if God intended to use evolution, as some theistic evolutionists believe, God used evolution as a way of creating life, creating species. Why would he do that? That That's not good. That's bad. You yeah. Know? He's creating things that aren't quite complete, aren't quite there, aren't quite ready. Dying, suffering, clawing, you know. Tooth and claw. Yeah. And then finally, if he's using evolution, he has to come to the point where, like I always, I, I love this favorite illustration of mine when it comes to the, 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 the development of man. God finally looked down and said, hey, there's a monkey or a hominid or something that looks like me. I think I'll give it a soul. (laughs) Blue on it and then, hello, where am I? (laughs) Can you hear me now? (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's basically... uh, That's what theistic evolution teaches. Many of them believe. And and the other extreme, not extreme, but in the same camp are are sometimes called progressive creationists. And those are those people who maybe believe that, no, evolution isn't the case. It's just that God is using long ages and that each day represents an age or where God kind of was going along, and then still, I think I'll tinker today, and he'll tinker a little bit more, and a little more evolution, or a little more creation takes place, a few more species, and then a few thousand years later, or some other time, God will tinker again, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and make some more stuff. Yeah, tweak this, and tweak that, and so forth. And meanwhile, millions and millions and mi- millions of critters die and suffer. And is that your image of a gentle creator leaning over a, a pile of dirt and, and gently forming man and in his own image. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. It, we're also Quite a different view. Yeah, it, it changes your whole view of, of how you feel about yourself, mm-hmm. whether you are well an accident God. or whether you are intentional, whether God is really there or God is kind of the the one who got it started and just kind of walked away and is sort of aloof from his creation. Exactly. Go read a newspaper or something for a few million years while, meanwhile, on Earth, all of this is going on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the Bible teaches clearly, and we like to say, and from the Hebrew especially and other places, that you can trust its creation account as being mm-hmm. what it says it is, mm-hmm. a, a story of our beginnings approximately a little over 6,000 years ago, where mm-hmm. life as we know it, at least on our Earth or maybe the, in the nearby solar system or something, mm-hmm. God spoke into existence. 
He said it, and it was. We call it creation ex nihilo. Yes. And we the do power know. of God's word. God and, speaking, and things happen. Now, there is this phrase, and it is mm-hmm. in the Hebrew, and Dr. Mm-hmm. Wang does not bring this out, but there is this phrase in the day four of creation, mm-hmm. where, and we've talked about it in other places than Sink the Beagle, where speaking of the stars, it's a parenthetical Hebrew phrase. Yes. It means he made the stars he also. He made the stars also. It's, it's, it's referring to God's, yes, I, by the way, I did make those stars, not mm-hmm. is necessarily saying the stars were made. On the fourth day. Right. But it was a state. Now, there's where the Hebrew allows for some interpretation. Yeah, That's about the only place in the story where it allows a little bit of a, you know. A little little wiggle room as far as what was actually made. Mm -hmm. And whether you believe it or not, really somewhat irrelevant. If God's big enough to speak it all into existence, he can speak it the way he does. Right. Or whether you want to look back and say... Could there be other beings or creatures or worlds out there besides ours? Mm-hmm. And that's where you can go and say, you know, there might be something out there that mm-hmm. we weren't the only thing God ever made, mm-hmm. but we were the most important thing that he had created, created up until this his, point. Created in his, in his image. image. Mm-hmm. And that, that adds a nobility and a dignity to what we are as people. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And he created male and female to join in a partnership a, a relationship with each other and with him. Yeah, and that's why I like to add that last part you said, mm-hmm. with him. It takes, mm-hmm. it's not just male and female that reflect right. God. Right. It's male and female in relationship with God. The that, three. The Trinity. The Trinity. That, that, God that's exists. It, mm-hmm. it lets everybody know that there is a God. He cares. And obviously, to me, the crowning act of this whole story comes when Jesus Christ comes and he dies to re, to redeem that which he made because it is so valuable in his sight. Well, a torpedo text I'm going to add as we just about close here on Sink the Beagle today is this. In Jesus' own, in his own words, he said in John 10, 35, it says, and the scripture cannot be broken. So there is a reliability in scripture. Mankind has no power to alter or break scripture. Well, we like to try. <laughs> I guess. People like to monkey with it, tinker with it, think mm-hmm. they can improve on it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. (laughs) Cannot be broken according to the words of Jesus himself. So we think that the Hebrew of the book of Genesis is very clear, and we think the rest of Scripture is clear to anyone who has an open mind, looking for truth, seeking ye shall find. The Word of God will be revealed to you and to your heart, and you will find hope and peace and surety. So tune in again to another Sink the Beagle. Thanks for listening to Sink the Beagle. We'd like to send you a special gift just for being with us today. Write to our email address, beagle at lifetalk.net, and ask for your free copy of Dr. Dwight Nelson's book called Built to Last, A Thoughtful Look at Creation and Evolution. Ask for Built to Last when you write to beagle at lifetalk.net. And be sure to listen in next time to another episode of Sink the Beagle. So join us here each week, my friends, you're sure to get a smile. From seven stranded castaways, here on Gilligan's Island.